Hello, and welcome to First Importance, the preaching and teaching ministries of First Baptist Church, West Memphis, Arkansas. Our prayer today is that you will be blessed and encouraged by the message to come. If you have your Bibles, would you join me in First Timothy chapter 4? First Timothy chapter 4. We are going to continue going through the Gospel of John this year. We will complete it, Lord willing, this year. Uh, should he not come back and get us? And I am praying that he does. I, am, I cannot wait. How about you? Can you? I am so excited. I can't wait till Jesus comes back and gets us and we're through with this sin in this life and we're in his presence forever and ever. But until he comes, I pray we're found faithful to him. Faithful to him. It is January the 9th. And so that means for some of you, you have broken your New Year's resolutions for eight days in a row. Nine, ten, I think 14 days may be the longest that most people can go when it comes to New Year's resolutions. But just a little over a week ago, you probably sat down and said, hey, I would like to write down a few things I would like to change about this year from last year. Uh, maybe, like me, I decided that this year is going to be the year that finally I lose some weight. And so January 1st, I shaved that big old beard, and I've met that quota. I don't have to worry about it anymore. <laughs> Took care of it. We make those resolutions all the time at the beginning of the year, and most of us don't have the self-control or self-discipline to really continue beyond about 14 days, maybe to a month. Some of you do. Some of you know uh, uh, what you want. You have self-discipline. You have self-control. You are a role model to us all. But the fact is most of us do not have that self-control, that self-discipline. And it's to that end that this year our church is being called to a challenge. I'm calling you to a challenge and I want to encourage you to join me and our staff as we take the 22 challenge. Take the 22 challenge. We'll be in the Gospel of John next week. But today I want to encourage you to join us in this challenge. And I want to begin with a reading from 1 Timothy in chapter 4 and verses 7 through 10. 1 Timothy chapter 4 beginning in verse 7. The Lord says, have nothing to do with irreverent or silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially those who believe. Would you pray real quickly with me? Father, I'm very weak today. I don't have the ability. I don't have the expertise on this matter. But Father, I pray that you would use this broken uh, preacher to preach the power of your gospel now so that the lost would be saved and the saved would be drawn closer to you. And I'll be very careful to give you and you alone all the praise, honor, and glory for all you do doing this service. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. In our passage today, which we'll use as a platform to talk to you about the challenge that we're bringing before the church, before every one of you, 
today and this year, Paul commands the church, he commands young Timothy, to train yourself for godliness. Everyone who trains for anything knows that there is a lot of difficulty in training. That's why in verse 10, Paul will say, for this end we toil and we strive. While it may be good, and it is good for us to be healthy physically, the Lord commands us here to train ourselves for godliness. To train ourselves to follow Jesus and to follow his word. To train ourselves so that we would, by the Spirit, put to death the things of the flesh. Here, we are commanded to train ourselves. And so, this year, we are calling our church to take the 22 challenge. Many of you have probably heard of it already. And you'll learn a little bit about it here in a few moments. But before I teach you about our Take the 22 Challenge, how we can train ourselves for godliness, I want to give you a few disclaimers. This is kind of like at the end of every commercial for a, for a medicine that you're supposed to take. Here's all the hazards right beneath it. Here's all the things that could happen if you take this. And they always say it so incredibly fast. At the end, you say, did I really want to take that medicine? Here, here is the disclaimer before you take this challenge. Number one in our disclaimers, Christianity is not about a checklist. Christianity is not just about checking certain boxes off your list. That's not what this challenge about is about. That's not what Christianity is about. Christianity is not a check-the-box religion. Many people who claim to be Christians do so. They consider themselves Christians because they have just checked off a few boxes on their list. And so they've checked off these boxes. They must be Christians. Boxes like a profession of faith. Many people have walked down the aisle and stood right here in front of this pulpit. And they have said they've invited Jesus into their heart to be Lord and Savior. And we have all applauded but my friends, there will be many people who stand before the Lord on the day of judgment who stood before a church and made a public profession of faith and it got all of the outward applause, but there was no inward authenticity. And on that day, God will say to that person who had the applause of man and maybe even the emotions who checked off the box that we have made to be a Christian, he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. Why? Christianity... It's not a checklist religion. It's not just merely about making a profession of faith. What about going to church? That's on our check the box list. If you go to church faithfully, then surely you must be a Christian. On, there have been occasions where I've shared the gospel with someone and I ask them if they have a relationship with Jesus. And they'll say, well, I go to such and such church. Well, that's not the question that was asked. Many people think that just because you go to church or perhaps you go to church faithfully and there's nothing else that competes for that time on Sundays and on Wednesdays and you're the most faithful person in attending church services of anybody in the whole wide world, that does not make you a Christian. Why? Christianity is not a checklist religion. What about being baptized? Many people have said, uh, when, when I've asked them, I've been sharing the gospel with them, 
Well, do you have a relationship with Jesus? Well, I was baptized here. I was baptized by so-and-so. Baptism does not give you salvation. Christianity is not a check the list religion or tithing. Uh-oh, he already got, it's the second Sunday of the year and he's already talking about tithing. We knew he was going to, and he didn't preach last week, so that's really what happened. He's been itching to get up here and talk about tithing. Hey, friends, tithing is important. God owns 100% of what you have, and he tells us as his followers to give back a tenth, to give back 10% to him through his local church. I believe that's a clear principle in the Scripture. But there's a lot of people who have been very generous monetarily with the church, but they'll stand before the Lord on that last day, and he will tell them, Depart from me, for I never knew you. Why? Because Christianity is not a check-the-box religion. Maybe you have a quiet time. Hey, listen, in the church culture that I grew up in, uh, you were known for being a good Christian if you could brag about your quiet time. Yeah, I spend X amount of time each and every day with the Lord. But there's a lot of people who have studied the Bible and have been faithful in studying the Bible who are not really Christians because they are only uh, uh, committed outwardly and not inwardly. Maybe they had a good prayer life or you try to do good or you vote against abortion or vote for biblical values or you, you like the right posts on social media. None of that makes you a Christian. That's not Christianity. Christianity is not about what you can do for God, but about what God has already done for you. Let me say that again. Because I didn't get a good enough amen at the end of that. This, this is the first of the year. You're going to have to give me a little more than that. Christianity is not about what you can do for God, but about what God has already done for you. And it's not just about what he has already done for you. It's what he's doing in you. It's what God, not what, just what God has done for you, but what he is going to do in you. What he will do through you. What he can do in you. Christianity is not a check-the-box religion. And so as we come to this challenge, that I'm going to challenge you with three specific things, the, the inclination of our hearts are going to be to make this about just checking it off of our list. Don't do that. Because Christianity is not a check-the-box religion. But here's our second disclaimer. Christianity is about a relationship. There's no amount of boxes that you can check that can make you right with God. There's nothing that, that you can do. You can't earn his uh, favor. Uh, our, our sins have separated us from God. We are evil. We were his enemies. We were running from God. I was uh, reading on social media this past week. A good friend of mine had a newspaper clipping. It was from several decades ago. And it was, a, it was an ad in a newspaper for a revival. It had a picture of the evangelist, had a picture of the musicians, and it had the times at the revival. And on it, he had cut this out of the newspaper, and he had written uh, the day that Jesus had changed his life and had saved him. He had no plans on going to this revival. had no plans on, on uh, accepting Jesus into his life. But just out of the blue... He felt the need to go and be at that meeting. And there at that meeting, God convicted him of his sin and drew him to himself. And that man got saved. We were running from him. 
We were running from him while God was running towards us. Christianity is not about checking things off of our list, but it's about a relationship. Think about this. While we were enemies, God loved us so much that he wanted a relationship with us so bad. He sent his only son to come to this earth to live a perfect life, to die on the cross, taking your sins and my sins on his own shoulders and rose again on the third day so that we could be called children of God, so that he could bridge the gap, so that we could have fellowship with God. Christianity isn't about checking these things off your list. Yeah, I made a profession of faith when I was younger. Or yes, I've done this. It's about walking with Jesus. I've talked with, I mean, I've been here at this church now for uh, around 10 years. And before that, I was... Uh, did ministry in, in North Little Rock, counseling with people who would question their salvation. They'd always question that moment when they were a kid. Did they really receive Jesus? And one of, my, one of the most important questions that you can ask was not, was it that moment, but are you walking with him right now? Do you love him right now? Because if so, that's an indication that at some point, you receive Jesus into your life as Lord and Savior. That doesn't just happen from our own flesh. Christianity is not about checking things off of our list, our to-do list for the day, our Bible study, our good deed, our, all of these things. Christianity is about our relationship with Jesus, a relationship that he initiated, that he purchased, that he took care of so that we could have a relationship with him. Now, the reason I bring up these disclaimers are as I challenge you with these next three challenges, the temptation will be to either make it, to make it into a checklist, but I want you to know it's not about that check, checklist. It's about your relationship. Taking the 22 challenge with us, I believe it's going to be a blessing for you and a blessing for our church. So that being said, let me give you our 22 challenge. What I want to encourage you to do this year, number one, the first challenge in our Take the 22 challenge is spend at least 22 minutes alone with the Lord every day. Spend at least 22 minutes alone with the Lord every day. That's less than 2% of your day. If you're so busy, if, you're, if you are so busy in your life that you can't give 2% of your day to spend time alone with the Lord, you have booked yourself too tight. And my friend, it's time to start saying no to a few things. Your relationship with the Lord is more important than your sleep. It's more important than the food that you eat. It's more important than your relationships in this world. If you don't have it right with the Lord, it doesn't matter that you're right with everyone else in the world. The challenge this year is for you to spend at least 22 minutes alone with the Lord Every day. Now, for some of you, you would, I mean, I'm not saying it just has to be 22. I'm saying at least. Some of you, you spend more time with the Lord than that. But for some of you, that's a 22-minute upgrade. That's a 22-minute challenge. Let me tell you, it's worth it. It's worth it. 2% of your day, if you commit to this, you will have spent 134 hours this year with the Lord you claim to love. I'd say that's worth it. Spend at least 22 minutes every day 
alone with the Lord. Time alone. Here Jesus sets the example, right? Jesus is the perfect one and only Son of God. To look at him is to look at God. He is the exact imprint of the nature of God, the Bible tells us. He is the image of the invisible God. And yet his ministry on earth was not 24-7 miracles, 24-7 preaching, 24-7 healing. It wasn't that. There were times where Jesus got off alone by himself and spent time alone with his father. He set the example for us. And by the way, when he did it, almost every time, it was at the most inconvenient time for his ministry. People would be flocking around him. And like, if he were a Baptist, it would have been the perfect time to say, hey guys, uh, I'm glad all of you are here. Go home and get five friends, five friends, and we're going we're gonna uh, to pack the field tomorrow, okay? All of you bring back five friends tomorrow. I mean, everyone was gathered around him, and the Bible would say on numerous occasions, Luke 5, 16 being one of them, that he would withdraw to a desolate place and pray. Now you tell me, if Jesus, the one and only Son of God, perfect, never sinned once, no flaw in him whatsoever, if Jesus needed to step away from everything and spend time alone with his Father, how much more do you think it's important for you do you think you're busier than he could have been while he was doing his ministry on planet Earth? Do you think you're in less need of that time? Jesus sets the example. Spend time alone. Get away from other people, from other distractions. Turn off the TV. Turn off your phone. Turn off whatever distractions you have. If you say you love him, then what's the problem with just at least 22 minutes alone with him? Every day. Maybe it's early in the morning. Maybe you are an early morning riser. Do I have any early morning risers in here? Oh, I forgive you. I love you still. I love you still. I'm, I'm glad we don't share a house. My, listen, let me tell you this. Uh, my dad is an early morning riser. And it, I mean early, early. And uh, I don't want to say the time because some of you are going to start, you know, calling me a a millennial and all those other things. But my dad wakes up early. He loves it. Oh, Josh, I woke up this time this morning. Well, good for you, Dad. I'm really proud. That was wonderful. You got a lot accomplished before the sun came up. That's wonderful. My brother's like that. It skipped me. It came to my son. My son wakes up every morning at 5 a.m. I just said the time, okay? Every morning. It doesn't matter what time you put the kid to bed. You put him to bed late at night. You put him to bed way late at night. 5 a.m. in the morning, bing, hey, daddy, what's going on? Hey, daddy, can we do that? Hey, daddy. Oh, my word, son, I'm, I don't have that gift. Some people have that gift. Use that first 22 minutes to spend time alone with the Lord. Maybe you're a night owl. Hey, Netflix can wait. Hey, your TV show can wait. Social media can certainly wait. Give 22 minutes. At least 22 minutes. Maybe it's your lunch hour. Maybe you've got to be creative with it. I'm talking about 22 consecutive minutes alone with the Lord. Turn off the world for just a minute or at least 22. 
and set your eyes on Jesus and his word. The scripture teaches us to set our eyes on Jesus, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus. Hey, your time alone with the Lord every day is not just about learning Bible verses. Hey, look at me. I read through the Bible in a whole entire year. It's not about that. It's about spending time with the one that you love. When I was in high school, Mercy Me wrote a song. It's called Keep Singing. And the song is about praising Jesus even during the storms and difficulties of your life. And somewhere toward the end, there's a line that's always stuck with me. Somewhere toward the end of the song, the author sings, Can I climb up in your lap? I don't want to leave. You know, and I've always thought about that. My time alone with the Lord is about me, his child, crawling up into his lap and just looking at him. Father, I know you can take care of all my problems. Father, I know you've given me my life. I know you've given me everything. Just gazing into his face, into the scripture. That is what this time alone is. For those of you who don't really know how to do it, let me give you just a quick crash course. Number one, you get start that 22 minutes, start it with prayer. Get away from everyone, everything, and just say, Lord, help me set my eyes on you. I have a short attention span, guys. I have a short attention span. And it is never shorter than when I begin my quiet time. I'll start to pray, and the next thing you know, I'm playing baseball for the Arkansas Razorbacks, or I'm doing, you know, whatever. My attention is just there, and I have to constantly say, Lord, Lord, please help me keep my eyes on you. My attention, my flesh is weak. Lord, help me keep my eyes on you. Spend some time in prayer, just telling him how good he is, praising him. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done in my life. You've got some blessings you need to thank the Lord for. Maybe you ought to stop during this time and thank him for that. Confess your sins to him. Ask for forgiveness and strength to turn. And this is important. Listen, I want you to hear this. Before you come to your time of reading the Bible, I want you to pray this. Lord, please help me to understand your word today. Because this isn't an intellectual enterprise. It doesn't matter how many commentaries you've read, how many classes you've been to. It doesn't matter how many good preachers you've sat underneath. We need the Holy Spirit to illuminate the truth of God's Word in our lives. So you say, Lord, please help me understand your Word today. And then pick out a book of the Bible. Pick out a book of the Bible. A lot of people like to read these devotionals. They, they are beneficial. I read a, a part of a devotional every morning. It's good, but it's not the same as coming to God's Word. It's what someone has to say about God's Word, and that can be good and helpful, but it's not the same. You've got a relationship with Him, not them. Uh, overseas, I've got a lot of letters that Sarah and I wrote back and forth to one another, and I would talk to her on the on the, on the phone while I was deployed for those several months, and I would talk to her on the Internet and see her, and we'd write these letters, and can't wait to see you and to hug you and to be near you again. And all of that was good, but it wasn't nothing like coming home and seeing her in person and talking to her in person. You have that opportunity through God's Word to open up His Word and just look at Jesus. Open up His Word. And see God for who he is. 
Read the New Testament. I'd encourage you to pick a book in the New Testament. It's not a speed-reading competition, by the way. It's not a speed-reading competition. Maybe you read one chapter. Maybe you read 11. Maybe you only read 10 verses. It's, the point is just not blowing God off. Spend time alone with him. Getting the, you know, the read the Bible in a year plan. I've done it. Many of you have done it. It's very good. But sometimes I feel like it's kind of like telling God, okay, hey, hurry up, hurry up. I'm on a time schedule. I got to get through this. I got to get to the next thing. You know, if I did that with my spouse, it would be a very hard conversation, right? If I said, hey, all right, move to the next one, move to the next subject, it, the conversation would be over, okay? It wouldn't be a good conversation. Believe me, trust me, it would not be good. Here, I believe the Bible teaches us that we're to spend time alone closely with him, not rushing through, not blowing him off, giving him time, praying about the words that we read. And then for some of you, this won't work for everybody, some of you need to journal. You know, write down what you read that day, what God spoke to your life. Secondly, not only do I want you to spend at least 22 minutes alone with the Lord every day, but secondly, I want you to commit to memorize and meditate on at least 22 Bible verses. At least 22 Bible verses. Why memorize? I mean, we have access to all uh, the Bible all the time on our phones, uh, n numbers of uh, copies of Bible in our house. Why memorize? I, th I think of when I was younger, my dad had bought a craftsman driving lawnmower. And he loved that driving lawnmower because we had a big yard and we weren't, me and my brother weren't quite old enough to push uh, the lawnmower over that big yard yet. And so he bought this craftsman riding lawnmower. And one year as he was preparing to get it ready in the spring to start mowing, he had, uh, was going to change out the oil and he did not realize he had forgotten that the year before he had put in a thing of Roundup in the oil can. And so when he went to go pour that into the oil, he didn't recognize it. He didn't notice it until a few minutes later when the lawnmower stopped and never worked again. Because Roundup is not a good substitution for oil. It won't work. It doesn't work. It'll kill you. Hey, listen, friends, every day you're being poured into. The friends that you hang out with, the music that you listen to, the shows that you watch, the news, my goodness, the news that you watch. Turn off that TV. Turn off that news and dig into God's Word. I'm not telling you not to be informed. I'm telling you some of you are being directed. Your whole life is being directed by that news cycle. And it's not even news. It's commentary, by the way. You know that, right? It's commentary. It's one person gives a story, and then 15 other people less qualified than myself give their comment on the story. And you're like... I could have said something better about the story than that. But then you're all mixed up. What is the truth? What, is, what should I believe here? Friends, some of you are being driven by these news cycles. And I'm not telling you not to be informed. I'm saying instead of pouring that into your life, pour in God's Word. It's profitable for far more than that news will do for you. You're being poured into every day by everything around you. It's nonstop. When you memorize God's Word, you put, not Roundup, but you put oil in the place it's supposed to go. Psalm 119, 105 says, Your Word is a lamp to my feet 
and a light to my path. Hey, friends, in this dark and dreary world, we better hide God's word in our heart. Corey Ten Boom tells the story after her family was captured by the Nazis and placed in a jail cell. That night, uh, as their family gathered around one another, the father, as he had normally done every night, had read a passage of scripture and the family had sung a song, but now they were in a jail cell and there was no Bible present. But Corey Ten Boom tells the story of her father gathering her family around in that little cell, quoting scripture, and then singing songs together. Why? Because he hid God's word in his heart. Psalm 119.11, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. But not just memorize, but meditate on it. Meditating in Eastern religions is emptying your mind. But in Christianity, meditating is filling your heart. It's reading God's word, memorizing, thinking about it. Psalm 1, 1 through 2 said, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on it he meditates day and night. Friends, you know what my prayer is? My prayer for First Baptist Church West Memphis is that we would be people who would have God's word, we have memorized it, and at nighttime when we're going to bed, that's what we think about. Because you know what? You're worrying about tomorrow. It's not going to change tomorrow. Your checklist for tomorrow, you're, you're going through the list of things that you did the day, today that you wish you had done differently. It's not going to help you. You know what is going to? Meditating on God's Word. Thinking about His Word. The Bible says the blessed man, the blessed woman is the one who delights in God's law and meditates on it day and night. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8 tells us the same. It says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Let me belabor this point. Because you are being poured into every day from every direction. And the world is not pouring goodness into you. It's not pouring anything into you that will help you. It only produces anxiety and worry and fear and doubt. Meditate on God's word. Don't be consumed by this world. Don't you know this world is coming to an end? All the things that you can hold into your hand will one day be gone but God's word will stand forever. Colossians 3, 2, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are of the earth. Colossians 3, 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And my prayer would be that we would have memorized and meditated on God's word so thoroughly as his people. That when charges are brought against us, like Jesus, when temptation is brought to us, we respond with his word. Because we've had it hidden in our heart. And we've been thinking about it. When the world comes to us, when we go to share the gospel, it's not your expertise. It's not your salesmanship that saves a person. But give them God's word. God's word pierces their heart, pierces their spirit, pierces their hard heads and their hard 
hearts. Meditate on God's Word. Think about it at night and in the morning during the day. By the way, that was the point of God's Word all along. In Deuteronomy, God commands His followers, He demands of His people, talk about my Word with your children. Tell of my faithfulness to your children. Write it on your doorpost. Rather, rather than being sports, or rather than being people of sports and other hobbies, which all are, are good and have their right places, let us be people who are in love with God and His Word. Spend at least 22 minutes alone with God every day. Spend, commit to memorize at least 22 Bible verses. You pick them out. You pick them out. What are Bible verses that are beneficial to you? Verses that stand out when you study His Word. Pick those out. Write them down on a note card. I've got, I've got mine on my phone, a little, a little uh, app called Fighterverse. And, uh, I think that's what it's called. And you can get the verse and, and put it on your background. And So when you open it up, there's my Psalm 86, verse 11. That's the verse I want to memorize and meditate upon this week. And lastly, invest in 22 people. Invest in 22 people. I'm doing a little math here. 11 lost and 11 saved. I want you to find 11 people in your life, in your family, in your place of work, your neighbors, 11 people who don't know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And I want you to write their names down on your list. And I want you to, listen, pray for them every day. Make that a part of your 22 minutes alone with God. Lord, please help Jimmy. Jimmy's a man I'm praying for. Lord, please help Jimmy come to know you and serve you. Please help Jimmy repent of his sins. Give me an opportunity to tell Jimmy about your salvation. Then look for opportunities to share the gospel. By the way, most people pass these up because they're not looking for them. When you're looking for opportunities to share the gospel, opportunities will be there. If you've been praying for those people, look for opportunities to share the gospel and invest your life in them. Why? Listen, if you say you know Jesus and you are saved, if you are saved from the wrath of God and an eternity separated from him in hell, why would you not? want to at least commit to pray for and reach out to those people who are in your closest circle. Find 11 people, write their names down, pray for them and share the gospel with them, and then 11 saved. Find 11 people in this church. Find someone that you would not ordinarily sit with. Maybe they're a different culture than you, a different color, a different background, a different age group, a different economic group. Find someone that's different than you. Commit to pray for them. Call them up. Check on them. See how they're doing. Brother Steve has been one of those great mentors uh, and uh, men in my life that I look up to. And oftentimes when we talk to one another, Brother Steve or me, one of us will say, Are you in the battle? Are you in the battle? You're keeping your eyes on Jesus. Are you studying his word? Are you spending time looking at him and his word? We need to encourage one another, pray for one another, lift one another up. This year, I'm encouraging you to take the 22 challenge. That is, number one, spend at least 22 minutes alone with the Lord every day. Commit to memorize and meditate upon 22 verses this year. Hey, listen, that's not hard. That's not, some of you say, I can't memorize things. If I, start singing a, if I start singing an old country song here right now, you could finish it. <laughs> 
You know the rest of those lyrics. You, you, it's all about what you care about now, okay? So you need to memorize and meditate upon those verses. And then lastly, I want you to commit to, to 22, investing in 22 people in your life, 11 lost people, and sharing the gospel with them, and 11 who are saved. Would you pray with me, please? Father in heaven. Thank you for joining us for this episode of First Importance. We invite you to check out our other sermons on this podcast and to join us in person on Sundays at 8.30 or 10.45 a.m., as well as streaming live on Sunday mornings at 10.45. We hope to see you soon at First Baptist West Memphis, where we love God, care for one another, and share the gospel.